for me, one of the things that I found that has been very interesting is the types of people that want to just be with you when you don't have your kids versus are open to being with you when you do have your kids. And that's been an interesting, you know, just like feeling out what my different friend groups are and who's in it to see all of me versus just a part of me that's kid free. Welcome to Seriously Catherine, a podcast about taking your business seriously, but not yourself. On this episode of Seriously Catherine, I have Amanda Goetz. Amanda is a two-time founder, three-time CMO, brand builder, and content creator on personal and professional growth, inspiring over 110,000 people every week through her social insights and weekly newsletter, Life's a Game. Let's jump in. This is my hot take for this week, and it's all revolving around Black Friday, Cyber Monday, Small Business Saturday, Giving Tuesday. It's just overload on top of an already overloaded person. So if you send me an email on Thanksgiving Day, which you shouldn't have, that's just, I mean, even if... I know like sometimes people are like, oh, happy Thanksgiving. Like that's still something in my inbox that I'm trying to consume or trying to absorb. It's just too much. So if you send me an email between, let's just say, Wednesday before Thanksgiving to Giving Tuesday, I'm like sitting the whole time out. I'm just out entirely. And so then I feel kind of like crappy because I'm behind, but I'm just, here's my PSA. Like I'm, I'm not responding until well after all that's over with. And then the other part of it is is it's you're overwhelmed from all the emails and then you feel like crap because you're like missing out. Like, did I miss out on a deal that I was supposed to have capitalized on? And it's just, it's frustrating, right? I was traveling this whole time. Yesterday, I flew back with the girls and Mark and that in itself is overwhelming. And I'm like looking at my email and I'm like, oh my God, I'm on a plane and I'm thinking I need to book another flight because it's 30% off and <laughs> it's Cyber Monday and like never going to get a deal like this again. But then I like come to my senses and it's like I get I get these emails probably on a weekly basis from Southwest about discounts here and there, you know? So it's like, you're not missing out. Just give it a beat. Give yourself a detox from all the sales emails. Luckily for us, in the downtown Saratoga region, we have Victorian Street Walk on Thursday, which is a great opportunity to do a lot of window shopping, see all the things, see all the prettiness, all the deals that are happening inside the stores. I'm all about like shopping local, right? So on Thursdays, the window shopping day, and then we'll get after it on Friday and next week and the week after that. All the things will still be there for you to acquire and get all the people that you need to get stuff for. That's my hot take. Okay, so if you know me, you know that I love what I do and I'm a workaholic. So if I ever have a chance to get away, I can't go too far away without my kids and without being so far away from work. The Adelphi is my go-to. What's really great about the Adelphi is that it has everything you need. It's right there on Broadway. 
It has a restaurant. It's got the breakfast joint. It's got it all. And the room service is amazing. So last Christmas, we did Christmas Day night at the Adelphi. We booked the Polaris suite, which is really special because it has a hot tub on the balcony. And the kids loved it. It was so much fun. We ordered room service. And it was just like the most special thing. And again, it's got a jacuzzi. I mean, who doesn't want to use a jacuzzi at the Adelphi. If you don't have the opportunity to stay at the Adelphi, you can still go and hang out in their in their lobby or eat at their restaurants. The best sushi in town, by far, I believe, is at the Adelphi. You should get the rainbow roll. You can thank me later. It's delicious. It's absolutely the bomb. If you are local and you need a night off or a night away, don't go too far. Go right there to the Adelphi. Book yourself a room, have dinner there, have breakfast in the morning, and you'll feel like a totally different person when you wake up. I know I just talked about how I was like so overwhelmed with all the emails for Black Friday and Cyber Monday and Thanksgiving and Giving Tuesday, and I just like sat it all out. But I got an email from Saratoga Living well before that, and it was their gift guide for the holiday season 2023. And it's also just like it, it's such a good compilation of all the things that you can get. Also, I just have to plug like Victorian Street Walk is this week. It's this Thursday night. It's a great opportunity to go and look at all the shops that are listed in this gift guide and all my favorites. Impressions, Lex and Cleo for the kids, G. Willikers for the kids. Spoken has a lovely assortment of things for her and Union Hall Supply on Broadway, Caroline and Maine, We have so many amazing downtown shops that you can literally get it all right downtown. And I'm such a big fan of shopping downtown, supporting our local economy. Literally, the shop owners, they live here. They operate their businesses here. They invest in their economy and they do a happy dance. Have you ever heard that where it's like when you support a local business owner, they do a little happy dance every time time you buy from them? And it's true. I, I know these people. They dance regularly when people shop at their store. So head on down this Thursday night for the Victorian Street Walk. It's so much fun. Get hot cocoa. I'm sure somebody will have cotton candy and see all the things. Buy all the things or buy them next week because it's really crowded on Victorian Street Walk night. Saratoga Living, they asked six Saratoga store owners to help compile this list. So it's really universal, includes all the things. Go check it out. I want to get right into it because I feel like I knew about you, but I I didn't really have any context until Brooke tagged me in doing, I can't even remember what it was. It was like a Women's History Month, like, sprint on social media about sharing all the, like, every day you went live trying to, like, basically show what your life is like, which... I attempted to do the same thing, but I could not keep up the way you and Brooke did. I'm like, I don't have it in me to keep sharing all this stuff. <laughs> I actually, it's so funny. I just went back to TikTok to look at it. And I think I stopped at like day 17, <laughs> which is so funny because that is literally what like being a working single mom is like. You you cannot overcommit yourself. It was so helpful for me to kind of see. I think that's a big disconnect when you see people on social media and you you think that they got it all together. And, you know, it's that's usually not the case. And, you know, anytime I meet people in real life, I'm always like, yeah, I just 
I just share exactly what's happening, what's going on. And it is inconsistent yeah. because I can't, you know, I, I can't keep up. But I think it's a disservice when we see people who are d- displaying or portraying themselves like this beautiful, perfect picture. And it's it's a disservice to, to, to other women who think they're struggling and when really they're they're not. They're they're doing the best that they can. And we, we're all doing the best that we can. Yeah, I'm a big believer in if someone makes you feel bad about your parenting or how you're showing up as a parent, you mute as fast as possible because nothing on social media is really real. Like, I love that there we're now entering a new phase of social media, which is like people calling out the like, you know, a day in my life. Like that is not actually a day in your life. Like you got up, you got makeup on, you got back in your bed, you put the tripod in the corner. Like you aren't actually waking up. Like it's all performative, but look, we're the creator economy is what it is for various reasons. And I just am happy that there's like creators like you who are showing up and just being authentic. And that's what I pride myself in as well. Like I share the ups and the downs of being a founder or a single mom. And and it's I think that that's what's built the trust that I now have with my audience. Yeah. And so take us back because I kind of, I don't think I have your timeline like really imprinted on my head yet because yeah. I feel like no, when it's... I first was introduced to you, you it was because of how some of lies. So that was a company you founded, right? Yep. Yep. So I can give the like 30 second LinkedIn spiel. Okay. So grew up in the Midwest. Um, I'm a first generation college grad. So my dad's like the town plumber and I grew up um, very small town, 800 people. And then went to college, went into corporate America. I worked at Ernst & Young for several years as a marketer. Then did a 180. I went to New York City. I wanted to work in either magazines or weddings. And I ended up getting a job for a celebrity wedding planner. So I managed his brand. He had licensing deals. I was on his reality TV show for a few seasons. It was a wild ride, but it allowed me... Like My parents have never been on an airplane traveling around the world with a celebrity wedding planner, planning events all over the world was like the coolest job that you could have in your 20s. But it also gave me like my mini CMO role because I got to understand licensing agreements, distribution, brand continuity. From there, I launched my first startup, which was in the wedding space. It was a tech company, built that, did like an accelerator program in New York City, learned so much about building companies and being in the VC world and going to VC dinners and meeting people and networking. And that's when I kind of slowly started to build a personal brand in the the startup space. Then from there, that led me to The Knot, where I led marketing, brand marketing for over five years. We took the company from public to private. We merged with our biggest competitor, that was really my season of learning how to be a leader, having operational excellence. How do you manage a team of 50 people? I learned so much. But then COVID hit. I had been toying with this idea of helping women with their stress and anxiety and having an alternative to alcohol because while I was at the knot, I had three small children. They were all under the age of four and I was going through a divorce and I realized the effect alcohol was having while I was in this kind of heightened state of stress and anxiety. So COVID hit. 
I then took a, a leap and I launched House of Wise out of my like pandemic home, which is hilarious that we have that term. But the place that I was homeschooling the kids and and being there and hunkering down. So did that for the last couple of years, sold it last summer, which brings us to kind of the current where I, you know, I'm doing some fractional CMO work and then kind of embarking on this world of being a content creator, which I think has so many, I guess like some people have an allergic reaction. Some people are like, what the heck does that even mean? My parents don't know what it means, but like, you know, kind of figuring out how you you authentically build revenue streams based on things you're already doing, which is like putting out content. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So take us back to like when you started House of Wise, did you did you raise funds? Like we did you raise money there or do you strap it? Yeah. Okay. No, we raised two rounds of it was a VC backed company and it was it's funny because looking back the things that filled me up and gave me energy were building the company, building the brand, building the community of women that were a part of it, building the team. I, I was really passionate. You know, I'm a single mom. I hired a lot of moms that were just so badass at what they did, but they didn't have 40 hours a week to work on something. And so we did a lot of fractional employees. And those women just were so good at using their time, getting shit done when they could. And we just had a lot of different approaches to work culture. And it was really, those were the things that lit me up. What drained me was fundraising, like dealing with the, like, oh, we're going to run out of, because we were in growth mode. So you're going to run out of runway on this date. So back up five months, you got to start fundraising and it takes your eye off of the community and the things that you're doing. And I just realized that, you know, I've, I've done this now twice. The first one was bootstrapped. The second one was VC backed. And I don't think that if I ever were to build again, I would bootstrap a hundred percent because I, I think that there's other ways to get capital and figuring out the, what works for you and what you're chasing is an important thing for a founder. What about what's your take on VC? Like, you know, that's not for everybody either, right? You have to really be in it to win it (laughs) when it comes to fundraising with VCs. Yeah, it's, it's draining and it's hard. And as a woman, it can be really frustrating. And I think that, look, I was building in uh, the cannabis space, the sexual health and wellness space, because we had a libido enhancing gummy. Um, There was just a lot of headwinds that you wake up every day and it is kind of defeating and, and, there's a glimmer of hope that I'm seeing right now in the VC landscape and is that just because you raise a seed doesn't mean you should raise an A. And people are realizing that an exit at a seed stage is still a win as opposed to going out and raising an A that you're going to raise at a valuation that you cannot keep up with. And especially if you're a CPG company and you're dealing with the current landscape of distribution and Amazon, and and there's a lot of factors there. But I think that we're going into a new era post kind of war and what happened in 2021 with everything kind of stopping. We're seeing this shift of like, you know, an early exit is still a win. And we're seeing people support founders exiting 
when they can exit. Yeah, you know, what, I, what I'm seeing, which I think is really cool, is a lot of, you know, consolidation and roll-ups and aqua hires yep. and a sort of like combining of forces to get to that goal instead of competing against each other. And, and that is really fun and exciting to see for me because it's a different level. It's not this like unicorn thing that is unattainable. It's like, this is actually something that we can do, like everyone can do a lot of is collaborating, partnering, um, and sharing the resources of, of like your leadership team. Yeah. Can you imagine if some of these powerhouse female founders like started to go together and built these like big companies? Like that's what gets me excited. Yeah. And even just like, I, I see it happening in the content creator space, like creator economy. It seems like everybody had a personal brand and this idea of a solopreneur. And now Greg Eisenberg, who's a, a great follow on Twitter, but he's starting to coin the term the multipreneur. And how do you actually build a portfolio of businesses that aren't necessarily just based on you and one brand and one person? And that's kind of the approach I'm taking as I move into it, where it's, you know, I have three businesses I'm working on. One is solo. Two are with two different partners. One, it's more fun because I get to, you know, do stand-ups every day with somebody else that's also a creator. And then two, it de-risks it because you just double or triple your audience size overnight by partnering with someone. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I actually just had a com I've had a couple of conversations. So Palette is a female focused co-working space during COVID. We went digital. So we have that digital component. And I've been talking to a lot of um, other female founders that are in the same space. And it's like, listen, I I've got no ego. No one can take away what I've created with Palette. Right. But like, can we just get out of each other's way and support each other and combine yeah. forces and be able to get these really high valuations? And, you know, like what, what is my best use of time? It's, it's certainly not being CFO, CMO, ex, you know, entrepreneur, no. like the leader, the visionary, you know, it's just not, it doesn't even make sense for all of us to keep doing, wearing all these different hats. And so it's been an interesting sort of conversation that I've had with um, a couple of different entities. And you can, you can see right away, like if it's not going to be a fit or if it's going to, you know, you're going to be able to collaborate with those people. But I think the biggest thing that's holding yeah. a lot of these founders back is the ego. And it's like, well, well, what's yeah. going to happen? I'm not going to be the star of the show. And it's like, well, well, you could be still the star of the show, but you'd be sharing it with other other stars. That's some internal work and some coaching for people that what I always go back to, like, what is actually driving me? And my therapist uses this like analogy, who's driving the bus right now? Meaning like, is it a past version of you that didn't get that? And that's like, who's driving the bus right now? Or is current adult you know, for me, like 37 year old Amanda with logic and reasoning, is she driving the bus right now? Or is someone who, you know, felt lonely or you know, fear of abandonment, whatever in the backseat, did she just kick me out and take over? It's so important for people to understand that usually that stuff is coming from an inner subconscious need. And then the second thing is, is like, this is not a zero sum game. Like there is enough for all of us to go around. But I think for women specifically, I mean, we, we think about like, oh, okay, there's only how many percentage of Fortune 500 C-suite executives that are women. Those spots are so limited that you almost feel like you have to, you know, step 
on top of other people or step over them because it is like a numbers game. But once we stop that and kind of like shed ourselves of that thinking is when we'll actually see us break into more of those roles. But like men are constantly, I'm, I'm so fortunate that I've, I grew up with all guys. I have been, I was an athlete my whole life. I grew up with seven boy cousins that were all around my age. And so I, I have a lot of guy friends and I watch how they interact. They're constantly sit down and it's about who do you know? Who can you connect me to? What are they doing? Oh, they just sold this thing. Oh, they're working with this client. And it is just like all cards on the table. Let me help you. Whereas when we get together, sometimes it's like, well, I don't want to be too, you know, braggy about this thing or, you know, this person's like my secret weapon. So I don't want to tell anybody about it. Cause that's my, like my one thing I can get ahead. And it's just a reframe. Cause that's how we all are going to be successful is if we just like lay our cards on the table and say, you need this. I got it. Let's go. Yeah. I mean, so before I started Palette, I started these amazing, these, these awesome just lunch parties. And, mm-hmm. and prior to that, I own, I also own a paint and sip studio and across the board, there are a couple of things that are happening in each of those environments. Like with paint and sip, for example, you know, you're leveling the playing field. It's like everyone start shows up at a white canvas and you're all starting on the same you know, same foot. And, um, mm-hmm. and with the lunch ladies, like one of the number one rules is you got to dress up according to theme. So what happens in that scenario is everyone shows up dressed like, you know, imbeciles, but everybody's dressed up. And it's like, <laughs> the first one I ever did, I was shocked at like some of the most, you know, well-known leaders in our community are dressed up in, like with wigs and just looking like, you know, crazy people. And over time, so what fun. I started to see was these, these women were starting to collaborate. I would see them out in the middle of town, like having lunch together and stuff. And I'm like, this is how it's done. You have to level the playing field and you have to make sure that everyone feels comfortable being vulnerable, comfortable, like kind of yeah. letting their cards out. And and women do network differently than men. And, you know, t- you got to acknowledge that going into it. And I, I think like, so that's another thing you and I have in common. I grew up with all, all boys. I have an older brother, but we all grew, we grew up on the same street as all my guy cousins. And they're, you know, I just, you yeah. get, you pick up on not even they're just who they are. You know, they're not like, there's no insecurity. They just show up, they take up space and it's just, you know, they yell at each other and they debate and it's not personal. And it's just, I've learned a lot, a lot, a lot of my characters because of those, that those experiences growing up. And it's one, it's a superpower, I think for you. And, and I, I've always thought it was a superpower for me as well. And one thing that like maybe is a hot take, but I think that, there are lots of people that I, I have come across where they only sit in women only groups because that's where they're comfortable. And that's, you know, that's how they network. That's how. And I think we have to start to reframe what the purpose of each thing is. And it's like, yes, you should be in all women's group because like, that's where you can talk about the the frustrations, the the things that guys don't get, the 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 even just the life planning and, and making big decisions, like some of those decisions are really intimate and personal and you want to be surrounded by people who understand that and get that right. But if you don't ever step into this other world of surrounding yourself with people, like 
by being around men and, and male founders, they're usually a couple steps ahead of me and I get to learn from them and they've sold companies and I'm like, great, tell me what I'm thinking. Like what broker did you use? And so it's important. I think that we, we understand the necessity for women only groups, but also the need for women to also get comfortable being around men and pushing into and taking up space because segregation is not the answer for us to succeed. Yeah, I mean, and I we always say like it's a female focused space, but it's it's also open to emotionally evolved men who are not threatened by strong women. Yeah. And we benefit immensely by that and as do they. You know, I I was actually meeting with a guy yesterday. I love that. And um, I was like, listen, dude, if you want to do business with women, you got to be in women's spaces. You got to be like where they're, yeah. where they feel comfortable and confident. And I guarantee you, you'll, you'll land that deal a lot faster. Yeah. I was also, I'm a member of a EO and my, you know, it's like different forums and my forum is all men. I'm the only woman. And, you know, a couple of other women that I've run into, like, oh, you're the only girl. You're like, I mean, how is that? And I'm like, it's fucking awesome <laughs> because they, they, yeah. they kick my ass. They don't like sugarcoat a damn thing. And I'm learning so much. Yep. And it's just, it's really important. And another, another one of um, my guests on the podcast, Carrie Colbert, she is a female focused VC firm. And she's like, do you know how many Color men capital, are on right? My- Yes, curate capital. So she, um, she kind of pointed, alluded to this too, where it's like it, it's not gonna just take women; it's gonna take all of us. And and a more diverse yeah. group that you have around you, and the stronger we'll all be. And so yeah, no, I mean we could talk about this forever. I kind of want to switch gears, and I yeah. want you to talk more about the momming, because we're both we're both mothers to three kids um mine are nine five and four yours are little too right younger I mean almost same ages uh it's ten eight six and you've also moved away from home so that's another thing we we sort of like have in common I'm originally from New Orleans I'm 1500 miles away from all my people and so I've really had to create community and and intentionally work to bring people around me to help me raise these babies because it does it takes a village it takes a vineyard um, and it's, it's just, it's a lot of work. <laughs> it is. Yeah. That is definitely something I was building my community in New York city for 11 years and then COVID happened, and I got divorced. We separated two years before COVID. And so we're still, you know, going through this new season of life of, of navigating co-parenting. Then COVID happened and we moved six times in the span of six months of just like trying to figure out where we were going to go because we knew New York City wasn't really the option. But we were also still trying to navigate like what this new chapter of co-parenting looks like. And it was not easy. And so I'm finally just in the last year, it was last November that I moved to the town that I'm in now and the house that I'm in now. So it's really been a new season of seeking stability and seeking community. So now I'm finally in this like season of life where I feel like I can grow some roots and build community, but it's like being an adult and a founder and and a builder and a mom building community is something that like, I feel like we don't talk about as much of how hard that is to find friends, to, to get people to like be in your life like for me, one of the things that I found that has been very interesting is the types of people that want to just 
be with you when you don't have your kids versus are open to being with you when you do have your kids. And that's been an interesting, you know, just like feeling out what my different friend groups are and who's in it to see all of me versus just a part of me that's kid free. Um, And I'm, I'm realizing now the importance of really focusing my energy on the people that want to be around my kids and see me both with the kids and without the kids, because that's the reality of my life. And that's kind of what I want to build around. Yeah. I mean, I think growing up, I grew up in a really close knit family. I mean, they, we, we all grew up on the same street. They, you know, everyone still gets together. Uh, like all of my cousins, they're friends, mm. they're friends with each other. They, they, that's who their people are. And I don't think I realized growing up how much work went into creating that family unit and that community. I mean, my, my mom, my aunts, my grandmother, I mean, it's like they did it so effortlessly, it it seemed. And so now I'm in that world where it's like, I have to create this for myself. And, And I'm a connector. I like to bring people together. So I'm like, you know, the group texts are vast and it's like, let's, I'm always just wanting to get people together. You know, what I have found is a is a disconnect between your personal friends, right? The people who, you know, know you as like I like I'm Katie back home, right? So it's like meeting going back home and they don't get, I don't think, the ambition behind the business piece of it. So I get a lot of and you're mm-hmm. from Midwest, maybe you get this, I don't know. But it I get a lot of like, yeah. you know, how are you doing it all? Like, well, why why don't you just why don't you just choose one lane? Why don't you just do the mom thing mm-hmm. and be the wife thing and just let this other thing go because it's just too much. And I'm, I'm like very stern and maybe stubborn, but like, I don't believe I have to choose a lane. I think I I can do both of these things simultaneously. I can advance both directions as well, but you gotta, you gotta surround yourself with people, again, a diverse group of people who are going to see the benefits of the business in, in line with being a mom and being a wife and, um, and being a happy person. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad that you pushed back on that notion. Look, everybody is here to to build a life that works for them. And I like I get very similar questions like how do you do it all? Like why do you do it all? Like that looks really stressful and it's like it fires me up. This like building something from scratch or seeing the fruits of your labor or hiring people and being, you know, giving somebody like their livelihood gives me so such a sense of purpose and so does being a mom and they they they're not in competition i can hold all of them and the way the the tool that i use is i picture my life as like a stovetop and every month sometimes every week some things are on the front burners and some people go, some things go to the back burners and those things shift either by the day or by the week or by the month. But there are seasons where my career takes the front burner and I am pushing and I'm in a season of pushing and then I rotate. And there are seasons where, and that maybe it's a week where I am working half days and I'm really focused on myself and I'm doing more long walks and I'm with my kids and I'm waste, I slow down. But everything's on the stove and I'm just shifting burners. And that to me helps me remember that it's all important. It's all cooking. But what comes to the front and gets most of my attention 
uh, it has to be intentional. I have to understand how long it's going to be there. And it, so it doesn't overcook and it doesn't, and the back burners don't get too cold. And yeah. anyway, it's just like yeah. a mind, mind trick I use that has been helpful. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I mean, and your newsletter is incredible. I love how uh, the structure of it, it's called life's a game and, um, it couldn't be more true. <laughs> like it is just a game. And it's like, I, I also, so I had this like he- crazy health scare, about two months ago. Um, and it's like, mm. it, it really, all your, all your newsletters like just resonated with me because I think you really do a good job of incorporating like the fact that it's just like, we you know tomorrow's not promised. You got to like make the best of what you can in every day that you have. And it's been great. It seems like, and you're consistent with it because you know, you see a lot of times people start something up and then it drops off and it's like, oh, I'm relaunching. And I don't see that happening for you. I mean, maybe I'm putting so much pressure on you now, but it doesn't seem like <laughs> you're going to like end it anytime soon. Right. I mean, it seems like it's, it's going well. Yeah. Well, first of all, I'm sorry that you had that health scare that, that can, it can be so scary to have those moments. I had one two years ago that kind of rocked everything. And it really helped me to put things back, like back in perspective and shift kind of things around again. Um, So hopefully you're doing okay. And the idea of writing and showing up for people and being consistent with it, as I'm talking to more people, and I'm, I'm now doing this office hours with people who are trying to go from the kind of that zero to one of being a creator, the biggest friction point that I keep seeing with everyone is one, they, they bite off so much more than they can chew. And two, they're trying to, to produce at a rate that is not sustainable. So I, I am just focused on one thing right now, which is I want to put out quality content every Thursday. And then I want to monetize that content with sponsors. And for me, I can just, as long as I know I have this one goal, I can continue it. And and now my whole life revolves around like this set schedule of when I write it, when I edit it, when I post it. And now it's just part, it's a habit. Like I wake up Saturday mornings at 5 a.m. and I know I'm going to draft the newsletter and that's just happening. So it's funny how when you commit to something and then you put it into your calendar, you no longer, it's not even negotiable. Like you just are doing it. Yeah, no, I so I don't know how I functions without my calendar, my digital calendar. And then when I added my husband to it, it was like life changing because now he knows what the hell I'm doing all day, every day. Prior to that, he was like, what do you do all day? And I'm like, I'm hustling. I'm like grinding. I'm busy, you know? So I've been a huge, I, like I even, I schedule everything. I schedule like massages, pick up kids, like have this call, go eat lunch. Like it's all in there. Same. And so, okay, we have just a a few more minutes and I want to be mindful about what you might want to share, right? Like I get the, you know, you're doing this newsletter. My tip for anyone who's looking to grow a personal brand or start getting consistent online is It's equal parts internal work as it is the external doing. And you have to actually believe that you deserve what's on the other side of taking up that space online. And that is more attention. It's more money. It's more opportunities. It increases your luck surface area. But you have to actually do the work to believe that you deserve all of that, which I think is something that stops people from doing the thing that 
is relatively simple, but it doesn't make it easy, which is just showing up every day and doing the thing that you said you're going to do. Um, so yeah, that's, that would be the tip that I would leave everyone. Oh my God. I love this. So there is a, there is like a little thing or whatever, like canvas that my mom gave me. I mean, when I was actually, it was when I became freshman class president in high school, I was like this little girl that went from the small school to this big high school. And I came home and I was like, I'm going to go run for, you know, class president. And she's like, what are you really, are you, do you think it's a good idea? And I think my parents were scared shitless that I would come home and be devastated. (laughs) Um, but I ended up winning and she gave me this little like canvas, you know, with a quote on it. And it was, it's the one we all know she believed she could. So she did. And I still have it Mm -hmm. to this day. And I really, I tell everyone that it starts with you. It starts with, if you believe you have like um, you deserve the the spotlight, the money, the attention, the 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 peace. Yep. Like that's another part I think that a lot of moms struggle with. Like you actually deserve to have peace. You deserve on a Sunday morning if you don't want to do anything when it comes to work, biz, like house, life, anything. You can just do nothing, and that's yep. totally fine. You deserve that peace. So I think it's just it's an all encompassing sort of affirmation that I continue to tell myself and, and my, my girls, you know, I have three daughters and, yeah. you know, if I can build confidence in them and like just this inner, inner faith or inner belief that they deserve the dream, then they can go out and get it. Oh, it's so funny. One, I was also, we are two peas in a pod. I was also, you know, class president and all those things. But the coolest thing was last night, my daughter FaceTime me. She's with her dad this week. She FaceTimed me. She's in third grade and she just held up. She's running for class president and she had the application and it took her a second to like get there. She was like, do I want to do this? And it just like as a mom to see your daughter like step into that is such a cool feeling. I'm like, go get it. Like you, you deserve it. You can do it. So that's super awesome. And I love that you just said that because it's so timely for me. Yeah, yeah. And it's just, you know, I I think it's hard to be a mom, but it's also the most rewarding thing, like to see these little people who are a piece of me out in the world, like doing doing their thing. And it's just, um, I think I'm doing an all right job. We're all doing all right, I think. You're doing great. <laughs> you're doing great. Like literally, it doesn't matter what anyone else says. Like you're you're the best parent that you can be for your kids if you just keep showing up and trying. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you showing up. I see you girl, like, get, like you're there, you're doing it. And it's so refreshing <laughs> to see somebody like, again, it's, it, it's so valuable to me to see somebody continuing to show up and showing up as your authentic self, like just you are who you are. And that's like, that's rare. So thank you for that. No, well, thank you. I think that there's a reason Brooks thought we should talk and I'm I'm thankful that you keep pushing and creating space for women. So thank you for having me on. This week's Face Palm Mom moment all revolves around traveling with children because I just got back from a 10-day trip, not a vacation, very much so a trip, a very triggering trip in New York City to do all the Christmas things. So it was an adventure. So we did the Today Show on the very, like the day that we left. It was so much fun. Hodakabi is beautiful. And I actually grew up listening and watching Hodaka because she was the morning anchor in at New Orleans when I was growing up. Anyway, so we had a moment. She looked in my eyes and I looked in her eyes. She's beautiful. She's beautiful. Okay. So traveling 
with three little girls back from New Orleans, also with Mark. It's like on the the very beginning of this excursion is it's just stressful. We had to wake up at the ass crack of dawn to get on the plane to get to the rental car. Like it's just it's so much. So before we traveled to New Orleans, we went to New York City. Just said that we went shopping. We went to the UGG store in Soho. I bought a pair of UGGs. And I'm not even going to go off on a tangent of like, I, I am literally now wearing Crocs and I'm wearing Uggs. And these are things that I never thought I would never be these. I wouldn't, I never thought I would be this person wearing Uggs and Crocs out in public, but here I am. So I get to New Orleans and I go to put on these shoes and one is a little loose. It's the, it's the, sh- it's like the slider Ugg that has the strap around the ankle. And my right shoe strap was like a little bit. And I don't know, I'm like having this moment like, oh, I must have just gotten an Ugg that's a little stretched out. And my mother, you know, she's just wealth of wisdom here, is like, maybe you got two different pair of shoes. I'm like, no way. Because you, you know, I traveled from New York City on a plane to New Orleans. So I didn't pack the box, didn't pack the receipt. I had to like stuff them in my bag, right, in my in my luggage. And... She was right. There's a size eight and there's a size nine. And I'm like, oh my God, how am I going to do this? How am I going to deal with this? So of course, I'm, I'm like, I've worked years in retail. Okay. So I know that there is a solution here. And in retail, like last time I checked, customer's always right. So I figured I go into the UGG store. When I fly back through New York, I'll drive to the UGG store. I'll go in. I'll explain to them what a conundrum I'm in, and they'll come to our my aid. And so the first woman that I spoke to was like, oh, hell no, we, we can't do that. You were here last Monday. You know, where's your receipt? Where's your proof of purchase? You're not, your shoes are not even a bag because I didn't have a shopping bag with me. So I just carried in my mismatched shoes. Anyway, there was a woman there, her name, her name was Hat, and she finally came to my rescue, and she was like, yeah, we're just going to damage out the old pair. We'll give you a brand new pair. No big deal. And But meanwhile, I have three little girls with me. My car is double parked on the street. The hazard light's on. I mean, if anyone's seen my car, it is a creepy white van. It looks like a delivery van. So I figured, you know, we're loading, unloading, loading, children, shoes, no ticket, right? So my girl hat, she came through for me. I was so excited. I was like praising her. I'm like, you know what's up. You know when you find somebody at the retail store that like just gets it and they're going to like help you out? That's like the best thing ever, especially, you know, when you're under a lot of stress. I cannot wait to wear them and show you guys because they're really cute. So after my epic win at the UGG store, I felt I needed a treat. So I decided, I'm like, screw it. I'm little, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to go for another shot at my luck to get a good parking spot, bring the girls in. They had to use the bathroom anyway. Go eat at Raisin Cane's and then take it to the house, right? Like head on home, three-hour drive. Long story short, I did not get as lucky as I did at the, at the UGG store because I, did, I didn't double park, but I parked in a spot that I wasn't supposed to park in. Went in, came out. I enjoyed the canes. It was a great experience. I got a ticket. I got a ticket. Yep, I did. It was worth it, though. I mean, that's it. Like, what was I thinking? I'm just like, I, I bring this on myself. I don't know. I don't know most people that would put themselves through 10 days of travel, New York City trip back to back with a New Orleans trip home, only to end it all with a um, conflict at the UGG store. <laughs> but here I am. I got in last night, woke up this morning, ready to go. 
Thank you for listening to this podcast. And if you want to connect with me, slide into my DMs on Instagram. My handle is Katherine Hover. Hover.